cards on the table. I don't want to talk about this guy. I don't want to think about this guy. But for and I'm and I'm and I don't mean Shakespeare. I mean the current uh, a holder, sitter, uh, occupier of the Oval Office. But fortunately, Dr. Jeffrey Wilson of Harvard University has is has done this heavy lifting for us and has written a new book called Shakespeare and Trump. So I'll just start by saying, Jeff, thank you for taking one for the team. Yeah, uh, I I didn't want to write about this guy. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 713, Shakespeare and Trump. Jeffrey R. Wilson, a lecturer in the writing program at Harvard University, has written the new book, Shakespeare and Trump, which examines not just which Shakespearean villain or tyrant Trump most resembles, but the more richly Shakespearean world of the politicians who enable him and the populace that continue somehow to support him. Jeff began our conversation about his new book, explaining how reluctant he was to write the thing in the first place. There's a line in the book, I didn't want to write this book, and, and I very much didn't uh, want to spend three years of my life researching about uh, this guy, and uh, I certainly didn't want to be kind of known as the Shakespeare and Trump guy, because I'm much more interested in kind of the old scholarly questions that six people in the world care about, but it was sort of uh, kind of like you're saying, you know, it was the moment, and, and you ask yourself, every one of us asked ourselves, kind of with what little power I have in the world, what can I do? How can I respond to the moment and, and hopefully in an ethical and a productive way? And, and I think a lot of different people in a lot of different professions have, have uh, kind of navigated that question over the past four years. Well, yeah, and, and you know, kidding aside, and particularly during a pandemic, we're all trying to figure out how, ways in which we can be of service. And, and, and I do think what I loved about um, um, you, and you say it right out there in the introduction to your book, is that we, we have, I did a podcast about Shakespeare and Trump right after the inauguration in early 2017. And it all dealt with, oh, well, what Shakespearean uh, villain or tragic figure most embodies, you know, this guy. Um, but you say in your introduction that you're concerned with the world that makes him possible with the people around him, both the politicians that enable him and the and the and the populace that supports him in some way. And I find that fascinating because I because I because that feels very uh, rich and Shakespearean to me, genuinely Shakespearean, but it also it also acknowledges, I think, the important notion that Trump is not the only problem. He's more of the symptom of bigger problems. Yeah. Um so the the one to one correlations between which of Shakespeare's tragic heroes is Donald Trump. Um, I, I usually find those just as nauseating as as most people do. Um, it just leaves so much of the context of the play out of the question, and and it's just always the, the kind of most surface level analysis of you can wittily attach this line from Shakespeare to Trump's bad hair or something like that. Um, but I'm I'm fascinated by these sort of deep analogies between the situations. And, and um, to me, it's, it's, it's frankly a little bit 
surprising that character criticism, character criticism in Shakespeare studies is such a, a thing in the history of Shakespeare studies because Shakespeare cared so much more about culture than about character. He cared about the, the social circumstances that allow tragedy to happen or that allow comedy to happen. And, and the, the, the individual character is such a small part of that entire social dynamic. And so that's hopefully what I was uh, seeking to explore was was the analogy between the social situation in which we find ourselves in the early 20th uh, early 21st century and and the the social dynamics that Shakespeare wrote about in his tragedies that's such an interesting idea and I don't think I've heard it expressed like that that he yes he's he 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 creates these worlds in which tragedies comedies histories happen but he's examining the whole world and and you know, part of my, some of my frustrations with some of the history plays, maybe, for instance, is, um, oh, they're not focused on the, a single king like Henry V is or, or Henry IV is. But that's not what he's interested in. He's interested in creating these these worlds, which also seems to me a very me- metatheatrically aware knowledge of theater. theater. Literally, theater artists create worlds in which these things happen and and so he's writing very much from a from a place that he knows yeah yeah absolutely and and so you look at a a weak king right like henry the sixth or richard the second to shakespeare a weak king is fascinating because of what it creates around the king that it creates the situation of counselor infighting and and you see the exact same thing happening in the, in the trump administration right when you have an, an ethically a, a politically weak ruler you get uh in fighting in the council, and and uh, that that's the kind of the dynamic that, that I think Shakespeare is much more interested in, rather than the psychology of the the characters. Do you find that this moment in our 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 cultural moment, our political moment right now, is maybe more sadly richly Shakespearean than uh, than other moments? Yeah, uh, yeah. So some of my kind of comments today, Austin, may involve me saying extremely depressing things about the fact that we are living through tragedy, and you, as an improv guy, having to figure out how how do we lighten the mood here and keep our audience. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So so look, you know, that we're we're living in a Shakespearean tragedy. That's the thesis of the book, right? Is that the situations are analogous enough to say that we can use Shakespeare as a lens through which to look at our moments and to understand what's going on in history behind this small slice of the moment that we have access to in the the daily news feeds and to think about how this all might play out. Because, I mean, we've all been so immersed in the nitty gritty of of the nightly news that, you know, we haven't really thought about how this all ends. And, And we haven't really thought about how does this story get told 300 years from now, a thousand years from now. And, and that's what Shakespeare was interested in, is, is these sort of defining moments in history that signify more than, than what's going on at the time. Yeah, and all the people who say, uh, 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 well, if you ever wondered what you, what you would have done, you know, as the Nazis rose to power in World War II, well, you're finding out. Whatever you're doing right now is what you would have done then. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we can look at act five of every Shakespearean tragedy, and we should be asking ourselves, what will I do when this happens in the next three months? Because, uh, you know, 
brings me no joy to say it, but it, it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. And I suppose, yeah, currently it's a, it's a, it's a tragedy and, uh, you know, we won't know for a couple of years now, maybe, uh, or a, if, if the election has a slightly happier ending, then maybe we're living in a history. Maybe, maybe we have that possibility to look forward to. Yeah, and, and well, this is one of the questions I wanted to ask to you, Austin, as, as someone who kind of riffs on the tragedies in, in highly comedic ways, right, is how, how do you find the comedy in this tragedy while we're still living in it, if you even do? Well, that's a great question because it's it's been a bone of contention for me for many years, not just with reduced Shakespeare productions, but with actual Shakespeare productions, is I think there is a ton of comedy in Shakespeare's tragedies and his histories and most productions I see of them are insufficiently comic uh, just as I feel like most productions I see of Shakespeare's comedies are insufficiently grounded in in sort of uh, tra the tragic elements that sort of begin many of his comedies shipwrecks of death and loss um, and they don't play that for enough stakes which doesn't give the comedy the weight it needs um, so uh, you know for instance I think Henry the sixth one and and uh, and King John is full of wild comedy because they are depicting, uh, and I think Shakespeare maybe wrote them to be comedies, but also as cautionary tales, living in a living in an era in which his monarch uh, was getting old and had no clear successor. And he was depicting governments in chaos. And so there is a Monty Python veep in the loop-esque um, uh, uh, chaos to these plays. Um, that is very comic and also terrifying. Um, and so uh, I, that's the only way I could focus on our current moment because it's the only way I know how to make, try to make sense of it. Yeah, um, sorry for the hostile takeover of the interview now, but I'm, I'm now asking you questions because I find you a fascinating <laughs> individual. <laughs> uh, so, so from the scholarly perspective, a book like Shakespeare and Trump, and there's a lot of public Shakespeare writing that has been exploring the modern resonances of uh, Shakespeare's plays and, and bringing them into conversation with current events. But that's something that performance has done for centuries, right? So, so kind of when, when you're thinking about a, a modern dress Shakespeare play, or you're thinking about um, how could I do a, a modern travesty or satire on one of Shakespeare's uh, works, um, wh what might academic scholars who are looking to think about why Shakespeare matters now and Shakespeare's relevance be able to learn from performers about bringing Shakespeare into conversation with the modern world? Well, that's interesting. I mean, uh, the, for instance, and I think you talk about this in the book, the, the, the infamous production of Julius Caesar and Shakespeare in the Park in New York a couple of years ago, in which Caesar was depicted very much like Trump and his wife was depicted like Melania. Um, Etc. That to me, as the reduced Shakespeare guy, I think that's reductive, but not in a good way. It changes the thrust of the play in a way that where our sympathies, our sympathies are are really divided. So in a one sense, yes, you go, oh great, thank God somebody assassinated that guy. But that is one of the lessons of the play, uh, which is like, oh no, wait, assassination is really a bad thing, and leads to chaos. But that's the danger, I think, of of too specific. Um, a parallel, drawing a too specific a parallel, um, I think. And also it, it just, for me, for me, I think there's greater value in comedy. Um, I think you can, uh, 
you, there's more there's more possible potential surprise in a comedy because a comedy can do things you don't expect. Whereas tragedy, you could be funny in ways you don't expect, but it's gonna be tragic. And in a comedy, you're expecting you're expecting comedy, but oh my God, there's richness and, and idea ideation and 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 uh, um, uh, par uh, uh, contemporary parallels in ways that I think um, go missed in some productions. Yeah, um, so thinking about that, that Julius Caesar, um, one of the most fascinating ideas I came across in, in writing and researching Shakespeare and Trump uh, came from a colleague, a Shakespeare scholar named Louis Geddes, um, who, who made the point that just as much as we might be able to use Shakespeare as a lens through which to understand current events, we can also use these highly emotional and deeply personal investments that we have in what's going on as a lens through which to, to understand sort of this is maybe how I should respond to Julius Caesar as a character, right? That, that if I import my emotional reaction to Donald Trump into the way that I'm engaging with Julius Caesar as this old, distant, obscure Shakespearean character, it just makes it so much more real and, and visceral. And, and especially for students in the classroom, helps them kind of navigate how I'm supposed to engage with these old texts. Hi, this is Cory Booker of New Jersey, and you are listening to the Reduced Shakespeare's Company podcast. Dag nabbit. <laughs> the quality of mercy is not strained. It's sprinkled from above like the... No. Where can you RSC the RSC? Right now, the only place to see the remote Shakespeare Company is online. We've created a brand new page on our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, and a playlist on our YouTube page, where right this second you can watch us perform many of our epic abridgments from the comfort of your own shelter. Plus, we filmed some brand new videos, especially for right now, including our online performance as the remote Shakespeare Company for our friends at the Reston Center stage in Reston, Virginia. Plus, assorted Q&A videos. They're all at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com or our YouTube page, youtube.com slash user slash ReducedShakespeareCo. You can also grab your own copy of Pop-Up Shakespeare, written by me and Reed Martin, and beautifully illustrated by Jenny Mazels. It's on sale worldwide, and you can find links to both Amazon and independent bookstores in the U.S. and the U.K. on our website. And now back to my conversation with Jeffrey R. Wilson, talking about his new book, Shakespeare and Trump. I'm not really interested in politicizing Shakespeare's plays to talk about Trump, but I'm fascinated by the people who do, and I'm fascinated by the kind of um, simultaneous nausea and enthusiasm we express when we encounter these kind of analogies. And so I'm interested in, in the uh, Shakespearean resonances of Trump kind of in a sense of how cultural conversations occur. And, and what fascinates me most about Shakespeare is that just by virtue of, on the one hand, being deeply invested in the classical tradition that, that dates thousands of years before him, and then on the other hand, being extremely popular today and alive in performances and adaptations, Shakespeare is this incredibly valuable resource for having conversations that span multiple centuries that you can see how different people over different periods of time were responding to similar issues. And so Shakespeare's kind of a, a, a way to do cultural history that might reveal some things that a, a more sort of uh, straightforward approach might not. Yes, there's something incredibly valuable about Trump because he's such a, he's such a um, powerful, iconic figure. I mean, for better and worse, 
you know, he's a really, he's a really very theatrical character. Do you, do you, do you find him uh, to be more of a um, ineffectual Richard the Second sort of king, or a, uh, a scheming Machiavellian Richard the Third sort of figure, or more of a villainous clown? Like, um, I don't know. Take your pick. Yeah, the, um, a couple conversations I've had that, that kind of touch upon this. One was with a colleague who made an interesting point that we were at, we were asking what would a what would Trump's soliloquy look like, and he suggested there there wouldn't be a soliloquy because there's no interiority there. There there's just nothing behind the surface. Um, the second uh, conversation I had was with a fellow named Paul Hamilton, who uh, wrote this amazing essay about the idea that Trump is a comic figure who's elevated to a tragic situation. And that's Falstaffian, that uh, has echoes of Iago. Um, and, and so, you, you know, you get to see what happens. And, and the thesis of a lot of uh, Shakespeare's political ideas is that character matters, right? Is, is that um, the personal lets you know how the political is going to go. And so you look at a situation like the Corona shuffle that we're in right now, and Shakespeare would say, we knew this was coming. We knew this was coming based on the personality, the character of the person that we were turning to for leadership. Yeah, boy, that's a good point. Uh, we knew <coughs> Shakespeare might have predicted all of 2020. We we knew we we knew the murder hornets were coming next. <laughs> yeah, 2020 is the worst. 2020 is like the second half of Julius Caesar. <laughs> There's no optimism. <laughs> That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Send us your modern political analogies via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can also find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSE Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener, and you can follow Jeff on Twitter at Dr. Jeffrey Wilson. Thanks as always to Dangerous Clown Matthew Croak, Web Services by Ginger Power Limited, Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout out this week goes to Mark Doucette. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to the junior senator from the great state of New Jersey, Cory Booker. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please stay safe, stay home, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 713 2039ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Jeff, I'll just finish by saying, you know, congr- a congratulations on the book, and 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 two, uh, what are you working on next? Shakespeare and puppies, Shakespeare and kittens, Shakespeare and cat videos, uh, Chaucer and Clovachar. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company, reducing expectations since 1981. Go to reduceshakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. So much less. So much less. So much less. So much less.